0: So my mom has a funny phrase that she says. She talks about getting old, and she's not that old. Um, hi, mom. Uh, the, uh, she's joining us online, I hope. And, uh, uh, but uh, she has a phrase that getting old is not for wimps. Have you ever heard that phrase before? I, I overheard a friend recently that she talked about the days and how they kind of go by quick. And she said, as you get older, the days are kind of like toilet paper rolls. When you get to the end, they start to go by a lot faster. There's the way she described it. I thought that was funny. Um, some of you have heard humorous George Burns say things like, you know you're getting old when you stoop down to tie your shoelaces and you wonder what else you could do while you're down there, <laughs> you know? Um, or by the time you know you're old when you've learned everything and then you've forgotten it all, right? Uh, I love, um, I love this, this image of getting old that we are all either heading towards that hill, we are on the hill, or we are over the hill, Right? Uh, I, I love. I find this to be therapeutic. King Solomon, in his wisdom, uh, I, I like to, to to think of Ecclesiastes 12. If you're familiar with this, we won't spend much time there. But in Ecclesiastes 12, he, um, I always, I always, if I feel old, I like to turn to Ecclesiastes 12 because it's my it could be worse passage of scripture. Let me share what I mean. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning in verse one, he, he gives this exhortation. So it's not just for old people like me to read this. Uh, It says remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. That's kind of harsh but that's how he describes them. And the years draw near of which you will say I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun, and aren't you guys glad you came to church today? This is encouraging. So before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. What a poetic description of that time when we see beloved ones and friends and family go on before us. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. uh, they, They believe this is a description of your arms being strong and then at some point that they begin to shake. It says, and the strong men, the strongest muscles we have in our bodies are our legs when they are bent over. And the grinders cease because they are few. You know what he's talking about there, right? Talking about your teeth, um, that they give up the fight sometimes. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. It's amazing how uh, my contact prescription keeps needing to change to get stronger over time. And the doors ...on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low... ...and one raises up the sound of a bird... ...at the sound of a bird and all the daughters... Of the song or brought low, someone described it this way: When you get old, you can't sleep because you hear too much, and the problem with hearing too much is you can't hear what you want to hear, and you don't hear what you do want to hear. Right? So Solomon, in his wisdom, goes on to describe what happens with our bodies. He says that these—it's um, like—it's um, like the blossoms of the almond tree um, that they bloom. The grasshopper drags itself along. This is a picture of the autumn, the, the, uh, the, uh, these trees, uh, almond trees blooming. It ought to remind you of my beard, right? So things turning white over time, right? We could, we could play this game for a long time. You know, Benjamin Franklin, in the months before he would would pass away, he wrote a friend and he talked about the U.S. Constitution and some of the things that had been ratified. And in his declaration uh, of that time, as he sought out a friend in his last days, um, he, he says this, our new constitution is now established. Everything seems to promise it will be durable but in this world, nothing is certain except for death and taxes. Yeah, a couple of you are paying attention, right? That's, that's where that age old um, uh, quote comes from. Nothing is certain except for death and taxes. We know that we're getting old. Um, we know that we feel the reality of aging. And in that process, uh, we know that we live in a society that likes to try to stop aging, Um, There are all kinds of remedies and attempts to end aging, but the certainty that Benjamin Franklin spoke of his own death, which would happen just months after he declared those words, is something that you and I are guaranteed to experience. In a few weeks, we'll talk about the return of the Lord, and um, we anticipate that the Lord will come, and if the Lord does not come in our lifetime, we will experience death. And today, there's a part of this discussion that it sounds morbid, it's, it's, it's difficult for us to talk about in some ways, partially because we experience the pain of loss of those whom we love, and there's questions that surround death. When we think about death, I sat with a widow this week, and we talked about the anticipation of um, her her reuniting with her husband, and what, what kind of a promise does he have with his New body, and those questions are questions that each of us have experienced in our lives that we we 've wrestled with well, what does it mean to experience god 's provision? What does it mean to experience god 's promises and his blessing and, and in the early church in the church in Corinth, there were some people George did an incredible job last week reminding us of the truth of the resurrection, and there were some people that scoffed at the idea of a resurrection this isn 't even possible. And I think there were also people in the church in Corinth, that church we've called the prodigal church, that there were some people that were there that were really curious. How in the world is this going to work? How how is it that my body that is, um, I'm so familiar with, and I know about it's good, bad, and ugly. How is it that that is going to turn into this eternal state that's been described in Scripture. And we're going to see it in, in verse 35 of chapter 15, where we will be studying together if you have your Bibles. I'd like to invite you to turn with me there. The Apostle Paul is quoting these people who are asking what I think are two actually fairly significant questions. He says, But someone Will ask, how are the dead raised? How is this even possible? Is this is this even a thing? Can the dead ra- rise? Can they they um, experience a new life? And then the second question is, with what kind of body do they come? How is this going to work? The first question is focusing on: on Is a physical resurrection really possible? If a person has turned into dust, how can they rise again? Uh, the, the, the concept of, of a funeral or when we bury someone or we, we spread someone's ashes who've been cremated, the, the concept of all of that wrestles with, with what does this mean for us to consider a resurrected body. I just want to remind you this morning, I'm going to say it a bunch of times today, that our God is big enough to handle this, right? The the questions and the challenges that come up as we study this, there's going to be many of them that we wrestle with. Well, well, what does that mean? Well, the great news is we're going to be reminded in God's word that the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ gives us an idea of what we can anticipate with our own resurrected body. The, the second question that shows up in the text is if the resurrection really happens, then what are our, going, our bodies going to be like? That's really what inquiring minds want to know, right? Uh, well, What is this going to be like? We, we hear these promises in scripture about our tears being wiped away and these ideas of what we will and won't do in heaven, and today we won't be able to capture all of that But what I want you to catch as we study God's word together are some really encouraging things about those of us who've placed our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When the when in Ecclesiastes Solomon says, Remember your creator in the days of your youth, today we'll see the apostle Paul, remind us this is valuable things for us to anticipate. And I think part of the reason why Paul was able to finish so well, even as he anticipated his own physical death and graduation, absent from the body, present with the Lord, that you and I in our cores can believe that believers will get to experience the glorious upgrade of their bodies. Are you guys excited about that? the glorious upgrade of our bodies. I didn't spend a lot of time talking about the downgrade of our bodies that happens over time and through pressure and through life experience. But what we recognize is that the Lord through the work of the cross has made provision for us when we ask this kind of question that's in verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 15, how are the dead raised? What kind of a body will they come? Uh, When we ask those questions, it's kind of interesting in the text, if you have your Bibles open or we can put it up on the screen, that the Apostle Paul's first response in verse 36 comes across a little harsh. Where he says, You foolish person! Now, now, this statement is not the, the word that Jesus warned us against saying about others that is translated moron, or it's, it's the root of the word moron. He's not calling us morons for our questions. Uh, the, the translation of this word falls short of understanding. He just says, you're missing out. You, you don't understand. And, and what we're going to try to do in our time together this morning is to encourage you to understand a bit more about what it means for us to anticipate the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ's provision for our new heavenly bodies. Uh, These are going to be a great upgrade. and We're going to talk about that today. The Apostle Paul's answer to those questions are going to fall on two analogies that are helpful. One is the description of seeds that look dead when they're planted, and then they produce a fruit in kind when they are buried. The second analogy that we'll study together is that there are, there's a recognition that there's lots of different body types. I'm not talking about shapes. I'm talking about animals and birds and reptiles. And in creation, there is a variety of body types that God has created. I love this point uh, that we're going to see from the text is that God knows how to custom fit his creation for its needs And when we talk about his, um, the anticipation of our resurrected bodies that I just celebrate the fact that in the hand of the good artist, in the hand of the good engineer, in the hand of the one who invented you and designed you, that he knows how to custom fit us for the needs that we have for eternity. But, But it comes with this transition that is inevitable and a result of the fall of mankind. Sin, we'll unpack that in a bit. But Paul goes on to say this what you sow, um, that's not sow, that's planting, like you see on the screen here, that what you plant, does not come to life unless it dies. I I know I'm preaching to the choir on this one. We get crops in Ohio, don't we? Uh, We know how high the um, corn is supposed to be in, in July, right? We get how it works, that they sow a seed and then in kind that seed, when it grows and develops, produces fruit that is beautiful, helpful, sustaining in our society. It helps us. In this description, as he talks about the plant that dies, he's trying to help us to understand that death, even though it appears final, it is actually just a transition from what we're experiencing on to the next. And it's important for us to recognize this. It goes on to say in verse 37, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel perhaps of wheat or some other grain. He's using this as an illustration to say what you're sowing is nothing like, but it's sort of like what you're going to experience in the exalted body. I think that it's essential for us to remember that believers can anticipate a splendid upgrade of their bodies. This statement comes from what we're told here in Scripture. It goes on to say in verse thirty-eight, "But God gives to it, uh, gives it a body, as He has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body." So, so we recognize not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. Th- that phrase glory is something that we don't think often about, especially when we associate it with death, right? Because there's nothing glorious about watching a som- someone either die, been in the room with lo- a loved one that, that graduated to heaven. And that was a, that was a, a sad moment. It was one that's marked with sadness. And even Jesus in the experience of losing his friend Lazarus when he died, that there was a moment of mourning and weeping. We think of death often associated not with what it's going to lead to, but what it leaves behind for us. And I want to catch this before we move on with one clarifier for this morning. And as it is this, as we celebrate the anticipation as believers of our physical resurrected bodies, uh, we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about them in, in an honored way that we're excited about it. But I also want to remind you, some people have misunderstood some of this and felt the freedom to get there before it was their time. They've either given up on caring for their physical bodies. And remember, Scripture teaches us that our bodies are the temple of the living God, right? That they're worth taking care of. They're, they're worth understanding that, that we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and I also want to share with you some of the most tragic experiences of my life that I've had to sit through with people is people who've chosen to take their own life at the expense of loved ones that survive and have to put the pieces to, it, that it is the furthest thing away from what this message is about today. So, God is a promise keeping God. Amen? Uh, but we recognize that, we said this uh, when we talked about the sanctity of life, that, that we are image bearers of the living God. Uh, we recognize in Scripture, He says to us, to live is Christ, right? Um, and so, that whole follow up, follow up part, to die is gain, is that needs to be in its appropriate time. Do you understand? And so the deceiver wants to steal, kill, and to devour. And I think any person who takes their life at their own hand is misunderstanding and listening to the wrong voice. Do you understand? and so when i when I think of the worst experiences that i 've sat alongside of families it 's that people believed maybe some of the things we 've talked about, but in their heart they 've decided that it was time for them to give up some some don 't have to commit suicide, some are committing suicide one bottle at a time some Some are choosing to disassociate with the world that 's around us they 've given up, and i 'll just tell you that 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 this description in verse 40, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one is of one kind and the glory of the earthly one is another. He wants us to be excited about God's provision. I, I like that idea that God will custom fit our new bodies for our eternal needs. Do you understand that truth? Um, I want to flip back on the slide, Mike, to the the picture of the animals. I was was driving through the metro parks yesterday. I love our Cleveland metro parks. They're incredible. And uh, there was a, a woman running with her two Siberian huskies um, I don't know if dogs can smile, but those huskies were like in their element, right? Because there's, there's feet of snow on both sides They're just, the, the hair that they have, they're just custom fit to, to be able to play and to enjoy the snow, right? And, and you think of creation, I think for some of us, the way we understand science and we think of, of things like the theory of evolution, the way it has panned out, and we forget that God's ability to create creation is partially why everything fits together so beautifully right that that god was the one who custom fit each animal in its kind to be able to be successful in its environment. It's beautiful, right? And sometimes you stand back in awe of the the ways that he custom fit his creation. Do you understand that when we talk about the things that we don't know all the answers about, about eternity, that it's the same tailor that can do that, can do that for each and every one of us? Do you find encouragement in that fact? I find encouragement in the fact that even as we talk later about the earthly body, the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that God provided in the resurrected body exactly what was necessary to continue to bring glory and honor to the Lord. God will custom fit our new bodies to our eternal needs. Another idea that I think is important as we anticipate this splendid upgrade, you guys know about upgrades, right? We've all had the old cell phone, and then we get the new one, and we're amazed as to what it can do. This is so much more than that. Our upgraded bodies will resemble our earthly lives, and I think that that's in- interesting to me that even as we talk about Jesus, at at first, like on the road to Emmaus or Mary, there were people who didn't identify him right away, but often when it was when he spoke or when he ate with them, that they were able to recognize him when he talks about these seeds and kind part of what Paul's point is is it's not an utterly new thing but it is one that carries with it the echoes of the old thing so when we say that a kernel of corn is planted and it produces corn what what God's going to do is to be something similar but also something different that's been glorified Uh, I like this definition of glory or explanation of it that we see in verse 41. He's going to use the stars and he's going to use the moon and the sun to help illustrate this for us. There is one glory of the sun. We understand, those of us who sat in a science class, the um, incredible energy that's represented by the sun and the process that's happening there for it to continue to give us warmth and power there's one glory of the sun. There's another glory of the moon. We recognize that the moon is reflecting the glory of the sun and another glory of the stars. And for the stars different from star, one star from another in its glory. Uh, we see it in the sky when we can actually see the stars, right? When it's dark enough. Uh, that, that when we, we see those stars... We're able, to, I think it's funny that we don't always get to see the stars in Ohio because there's clouds all the time, right? But, but when we do get to see the stars, um, there's a difference between them. And I think Paul is just gently reminding them through this teaching that there will be a glorified body. Um, it's going to be different, but it's going to carry echoes of the same. There's a, there's a verse that really helps me to understand what we can anticipate in, it's found in Philippians chapter three, verses 20 and 21. I love this passage. I'm going to read it multiple times for you today. It says this, "But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior." The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. It sounds a little harsh, but I guess we understand what he means. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So this, this tells us that, that Jesus gives us an, a, an idea of the resurrected body of Jesus, gives us an echo, an idea of what we can anticipate, But I also want to point out a few things that make this message so valuable for us. Some people believe that this stuff that we're experiencing in life right now is all that there is that that making yourself as comfortable as you possibly can is all that you get to do. Well, you guys know that there are people who when they die, they pay thousands of dollars to freeze their bodies so that there's a day when science might be able to resuscitate them. You know why anybody would do that? Is because they don't understand this. Do you understand what I mean? Because they're they're trying to hold on to uh, what is the promises of a physical body. And everyone, it doesn't matter how wealthy they are. It doesn't matter how healthy they are. It doesn't matter. We can go through the... There is going to be a time in this age when we die. And so the desperation of some is to forget that their citizenship is in heaven and it is to try to hold desperately on to this world. And so when he says we await a savior, I'll just remind you, these promises are for believers. These promises are for people who place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and that promise for us that have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ is, is the, he's comparing the two. He's saying lowly body on one side, glorious body on the other. God's going to bless us. Let me just share with you from observations of Jesus' body some of the things that are very intriguing to me. I think it's interesting that uh, this was a fun study for me. I just thought, well, what do we see in the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ? So the body of Jesus after his resurrection was endowed with many unique and strange qualities. He was an adult. At least we know that he could speak and was coherent and some have asked that question about our eternal bodies, like how old are we going to be? We don't know how old we're going to be, but to understand that he was able to to converse and speak, he didn't need his diapers changed. If that makes sense, right? So he was an adult at some level. He was physical. He was not a ghost. He um, he wore clothes. He was able to prepare a meal for the disciples. He interacted with them. And this this beautiful picture. Um, that's a painting of description. It's kind of gross, right, what you see on the screen. But but you see Thomas pointing into the wounds of Christ, that he was tangible, physical, touchable. He wasn't a ghost. Um, we know he made breakfast with fish that the disciples had caught. He was recognizable, even if he wasn't initially recognizable. And some have guessed that he might have, as the resurrected Lord, come back at a different age than the, the 30 plus years that he was when he died. So he was recognizable um, even though it took some time and sometimes it was even his voice that allowed people to recognize him. So when we talk about echoes of who he was, it was still there. I think it's, it's essential for us to recognize that there was sameness, but then there was also provisions of the Lord. So yes, the Lord redeemed his body. He has a body that doesn't make locks um, uh, restrictive anymore. He was upgraded in some ways. We know that he entered rooms that he did not have the key to physically. Uh, we know that he broke bread. He ate fish um, after the road um, to Emmaus, that he spoke with the disciples. That um, he, What's intriguing about it is that I think the Lord um, was there were scars and wounds that were healed of his body. Um, but we also know that there were some scars that remained and, and that's a question for us. Well, how does that work? Well, I think personally, when I study that, that there's a part of me that recognizes that God had suited the Lord Jesus perfectly as the son of God to continue to testify to the truth of the gospel. So this is what we get a glimpse of seeing is that he's custom fit for his situation. I think it's important for us to remember uh, these truths. Let me just share a few of them from Scripture. Luke 24, 39 says this. When Jesus was touched, the image that was in the background, he says, "'See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have.'" And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of boiled fish and he took it and he ate before them. So we get this glimpse of the resurrected body and it's fascinating to see Jesus. I think it's important for us to, we don't have time to unpack all of this, but to remember that our resurrected bodies will have many new attributes a resurrected bodies will be possessed of many wondrous functions that are denied to us here. Let's look at Romans eight 11. We'll put it on the screen for you here. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is a spiritual process, but also a physical one. Verse four. I love this. This is just a wonderful passage of scripture. Look at what it says in Revelation 21. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Isn't that great? Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He's, he's doing something that's miraculous uh, Revelation twenty-two, three says, "No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God, and of the Lamb will be on it, or in it, and His servants will worship Him." There's a lot of mystery that surrounds what we'll do and how we'll spend our time, how we relate to those who, like in our, like my case, I I love being married to Allie for twenty-one years. What will that be like in heaven? We have questions about that, and. There's verses that speak to some of that, but I want to remind you, I want to consistently remind you that the Lord is good, that he knows our needs. He goes to prepare a place for us, and when we can take out the battle for sin, when we can take out the wasting away of our bodies, um, it is not just going to be one endless church service, and some of you say amen, um, but it's going to be actually, think of the time that we saw a glimpse of when Adam and Eve were fellowshipping with the Lord in the Garden of Eden, that there was still work to be done. They were experiencing God's creation in a, in a profound way, um, and yet they were vulnerable, they were exposed, and yet they were secure. They were provided for in mighty ways, and they did not lack anything, and there was still more work to be done. Um, those of you who are like longing for retirement, you're like, oh, man. Uh, But this is the kind of work where you're gardening without weeds, right? That you're experiencing the potential of creation in its unblemished state. Brothers and sisters, I'm so encouraged by this truth that we can anticipate, it sounds weird, we can anticipate the end of our earthly bodies. I I celebrate that fact, but I, I believe that it's not really a bad thing. Uh, I think anytime we talk about dead bodies, it's awkward, uncomfortable, and we don't know how to handle it. We had this experience in California. You're like, why is he laughing? Well, this story was crazy. So we had this experience in California at the church that I pastored at, where um, I came from a lunch appointment into the church parking lot, and there was an ambulance and multiple police cars, and they had their flashlights, and they were looking under cars. And, And I would go into the church office and find out that Um, that someone, at least what I was told in a kind of a hysterical moment by one of the receptionists, she said, someone called the police and told them that there's a dead body in the church parking lot. Well, it was pretty frightening, right? And pretty scary. Well, uh, we wouldn't find out. The person who did this did not confess for like three weeks. But our extensions at the church required a dial of a nine to get an outside line. And some of the internal extensions, like mine, began with a one. So she had accidentally dialed nine. And then, oh, one, one. And when the phone rang, um, there was an officer that came on the line. She did not realize it was a police officer. She thought it was a, a coworker like me. And they said, Redlands Police Department. And she said, oh, well, there's a dead body in the church parking lot. <laughs> isn't that great? Um, It's ludicrous, isn't it? Right? Um, and so they heard that. And I just think it's so funny that she didn't confess for like three weeks. Right? You know, when we talk about dead bodies, I think it was Matthew Henry that says there's nothing more repellent than the thought of a dead body in our society. I mean, it's, it's gross. It's, there's no way to, he's going to talk about it in the text as being um, sown in shame or like as we, we unpack this, like we realize that, that the whole process of um, watching and caring for, in, even in the hands of the best of um, uh, professionals, that that our bodies um, are sown in what he's going to describe as shame. But what I love and what I celebrate is the end of life on earth is certainly not the end. In fact, we can understand it through our understanding of the theology that we, uh, we understand of God's word is that the good news is, is that um, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. Look at verse 42. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. We, we use the phrase ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Whether a person was cremated or whether they were buried uh, in a casket. That we recognize that at, at some time they break down. However, God raises it imperishable as grain, so so here he uses this agricultural image again, the seed that was planted it is raised in a different way. it goes into the ground in a lowly condition, or in the text it implies in dishonor, but it arises with honor. it is weak when it dies, so that it is powerful when it is raised in power. So look the way it says it in verse forty two so is it with the resurrection of the dead. what is sown is perishable what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body and it is raised in spiritual body. So if there's a natural body, there is a spiritual body. And, and I find myself saying, praise the Lord, this is good news. Uh, I love the, the image of the metamorphosis that takes place with a moth or a butterfly. I love this image. It's, it's powerful for me to recognize that even, even in its, its first state as it crawls on the, the branches and the limbs, that it, it has one experience of life. But then if you see it in its full beauty and its glory, that it enters into something completely new. And so it carries with it, echoes of what it was, but it is ultimately a major upgrade. I think it's helpful for us that Um, I like the way that one theologian, Baxter, puts it. He says, Neither burial nor cremation, neither severance of limbs or complete disintegration of of person can present any problem to the all-knowing Almighty Lord who will then clothe His redeemed people in their resurrection. In other words, He's big enough. He's got this. I think that that's what He understands about us. It is sown in the natural body and it is raised in the spiritual body. I mentioned that passage in Philippians earlier that our true citizenship is in heaven. Confusing our citizenship with earth is ultimately misunderstanding what God has provided for us. In fact, we get the privilege of being a part of something that is completely new. Verse 45 describes it in an interesting way. He talks about Adam and the new Adam. And it's important for us to remember that Adam... Um, that we remember from Genesis 2 and from creation, that word Adam in Hebrew means man, the first man that walked on the earth, um, is going to be contrasted with what he's going to call the last Adam here, and that's a description of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Um, It's a beautiful image that describes the fall of man that happened in the hands of the first Adam and then the redemptive work of Christ, the last Adam. It says this in verse um, verse 22. For as in Adam all die, um, so in Christ all will be made alive. In verse 45 it says this, Thus it is written, The first Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Goes on to say in verse 46, "'The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth.'" Remember, that's Adam. The second man is of heaven. This is Christ. "'As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as so, uh, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven.'" Verse forty nine says, "And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man." I can remember a professor who shared this, this graphic with me. It's going to be too small for you to see. I'm sorry, um, but the the gist of it, I can tell you what the gist of this is. Is it's um, unpacking what the apostle Paul is teaching us here to describe. Adam, it's in his um, suffering and in his death, when he accepted the temptation of the deceiver that wants to steal, to kill, and to devour, that led to death, that this last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, allows us to anticipate our life. And so as we think of this concept, the theological work that's done on the cross on our behalf, I'll just go back to the words of Philippians 3, 20 and 21. I'll just remind you of this truth. It's so good. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we wait a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. In the moments before, a student that I had discipled—he was in his twenties—he had he had cystic fibrosis, and um, his name is Mike, and he just loved this young man. I had the privilege of having him in my youth group, and, and in Dayton when I was a youth pastor there, I guess in the Fairborn area. And Mike, uh, if you don't know cystic fibrosis, it's a terrible disease. Um, his body wasted away, and Mike was just a, a wonderful young man, loved the Lord. And um, the week before he was to be married, Mike ended up dying of cystic fibrosis. And I visited him in the hospital. We were planning on the details of his wedding that we never got the privilege of doing. And, and I went into his, um, his hospital room, uh, not knowing that it was going to be his last days. But um, it was very interesting to me. Um, it, it, was, it was heavy. But, but Mike um, understood what it meant to get married. He was excited about that. But, but, but he showed me his chest and on his chest, he had had tattooed the words Maranatha. Um, some of you know that that is a Greek term and it declares, come Lord Jesus, come, right? And, and so here he was knowing that he was in the valley of the shadow of death. Instead of being discouraged or giving up or choosing to be angry with his circumstances that obviously were not panning out at age 21 or whatever it was that you'd expect to have lived more, more days than what he'd lived. What Mike declared, we had this little worship service in his um, hospital room on that day. We were sad. We're sad because he was dying. But one of the things that we recognize is that he placed his faith and hope and trust in a God who Could give him a resurrected body. You understand that truth? So, so the question for every one of us this morning, and it's one that's really important for us, is to ask ourselves who am I trusting my life, putting my trust in my life in right now? What am I depending on? Am I trying to hold on to? I'm not talking about taking care of your body, that's not the point. Am I trying to hold on to something that's impossible? for me to hold on to. Some people are doing that right now. The consequences of that is that I believe that we're distracted from the one who can do what happened with the Apostle Paul. And that was by knowing his citizenship was in heaven. He didn't retire in a way that meant that he was gonna sit on the bench for the rest of his life but instead he chose to be full throttle all in so that he could finish the line the finish line full speed ahead because he understood that this body that he had been given on earth was wasting away but instead he understood what we've talked about today that he can every believer can anticipate a splendid upgrade of their bodies that we can anticipate the end of our earthly bodies but that is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm just going to challenge you to apply this truth. So we we have to ask ourselves a question when we study God's word. So what? What's this mean for us? And I, and I just want to ask you: How are you considering your citizenship right now in your life? I think for believers, our real citizenship is in heaven. We've been described in John fifteen nine as not being of this world. Uh, in one passage, we're described as being strangers and aliens. And so by remembering that, not confusing our citizenship, how is it that we're able to experience the challenges of life and yet not allow them to leave us discouraged? I think we should be encouraged by the fact that the God that we serve, the God that can custom fit his creation to continue to be sustained and used for his glory, that he will custom fit a new body for you in eternity for your own good. And I think it's important for us to remember that we can have a hopeful expectation of our resurrection, especially as we watch our bodies fail us. Um, Would you join me in prayer? I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. We're going to close out our time in worship. Father God, I I come before you um, again today overwhelmed by gratitude for your blessing. That, that this is one of those times where you called your shot in our lives, that you told us what you were going to do before you do it. And, and that promise of what you're going to do on our behalf, the image for me that stands out so much is that you are wiping away every tear. Lord, that um, you're good. You're faithful. You know our needs more even than what we do. I, I thank you for that promise. I take great encouragement in that truth. For some of us in this room, that's not our story. Uh, And I pray for each and every person here, your simple truth that you said in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That perish process, he's meaning that the final destination isn't just death or separation from God. But instead, it is eternal life in the presence of a living God. God, I pray for each and every person here that they'd ask themselves the hard questions about what do they believe? Who are they? And Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that have placed our faith and trust in you that this recognition of the glorious upgrade that you've provided for us um, would not just be something that um, is a thought or an idea but that it would actually propel us forward to move forward in the light of your glory and grace. And so, Lord, we we celebrate your provision, that it's good, that you know how to give us good things. And I, I do pray for those who are in this room that are weary and heavy laden, um, that you would be the God that gives them rest. Those who are suffering with their own physical discouragements, that you'd remind them that you still have work for them to do even in their suffering, um, but that their suffering will have an end. I pray for that for those who are suffering. Um, Lord, I pray for those of us who are in this room that grieve the loss of those who've gone before us, uh, some of which I think of my my grandma Brennan, who was a special woman in my life, um, that uh, I love the idea that she has received a new upgraded body. She's able to bring glory and honor to you in a new new way in her time with you. I think we pray that for those who've gone before us. Lord, we love you. Uh, we need you as we close this worship service out. In worship, I pray that you'd receive it uh, in a manner that's worthy of you. And all God's people said, amen.